Welcome to this webinar series, Physical Activity Research Podcast and International Society for Physical Activity and Health, ISPA, have started collaboration. We have edited their webinars to audio-only podcast versions, so you can listen them also on the go. Our mission is to advance science and share scientific knowledge, so if your organization has relevant webinars or lectures and would like to get more audience to them, please let us know. But without further ado, let's jump to the webinar. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending where you are around the world. It's a great pleasure to welcome you to this uh, uh, satellite symposium of uh, the ISPACH Congress 2022 co-organized by the Prospective Physical Activity Sitting and Sleep Consortium and uh, ISPAC uh, itself. I am Manos Tamatakis. I'm a professor of physical activity and population health at the University of Sydney. And the hat I'm wearing today is that of uh, ProPASIS uh, chair. Uh, so what I'm going to do is, uh, in this first introductory session, I'm going to, to share this first session, but I will also provide a little bit of background about ProPASS because I guess that uh, many of you don't know much about PROPAS. And I will also explain, I will set the scene in terms of why we need to have this discussion, why we need to have this event about whether we are ready and how to make the transition to accelerometry device-based uh, guidelines. Before I start with these introductory sessions, I would like to uh, remind you a couple of housekeeping things. We have a dedicated, uh, tag for Twitter for those who want to tweet uh, parts of the symposium today, Propass Icepach uh, underscore 2022. And please follow us and follow Icepach um, uh, on Twitter as well. Remember that for the whole event from the start to the end, where we, when we have uh, the moderated uh, round table discussion, uh, please uh, send your questions. Use the chat function of Zoom to send your questions to the chair. Uh, anytime, anytime during the talk at the end, whenever you like, and then the chair will be picking up questions and will be asking the speakers or the panel at the end. So a few things about Propass. So Propass is uh, started in 2018. We set it up here in Sydney. At the moment, uh, we're fortunate to have uh, some 100 collaborators, people who have been involved in various capacities. And Propass started as a data resource, as a classical data consortium. It has morphed into time, evolved into something a lot more than a consortium. So I will give you an overview of the basic three or four functions of Propass. So data resource is a very important function still, perhaps the core function of Propass. And uh, we recruit, it's a consortium, we are a consortium of cohort studies uh, with thigh accelerometry and prospective uh, linkage. Now, thigh accelerometry is a, has been the initial focus, but may change. We are discussing, and there's a very high likelihood that we will embrace other uh, methodologies of accelerometry in the very near future. And, um, and uh, another unique, one very unique aspect about Propass as a data resource as a consortium is that we not only allow, not only we recruit cohorts, which have already collected accelerometry and have all other necessary information, retrospectively, but we also recruit prospectively. In other words, cohorts who may be interested, that may be interested 
to join Propass. We support them, provide devices, protocols, training, a lot of things to them to enable them to be able to do the kind of studies that Propass will eventually synthesize and uh, uh, publish and use, hopefully use in guidelines. Other important functions of Propass involves methodology development from accelerometry, intensity, uh, algorithms development, to uh, all sorts of uh, things around data processing, um, uh, development of software. We're very, very active on that front as well. Uh, we are very proud of our EMCR community. Uh, we look after the community, this community very well, and uh, we provide opportunities for leadership. Um, to whatever extent that we can boast that we have some successes, I would say I would have no reservations in saying that it's uh, to a large extent is down to our EMCRs, early and mid-career researchers who have really made a huge difference um, uh, for, for Propass. And uh, another more recent uh, function, we try to expand the evidence base of the physical activity evidence, of the accelerometry evidence outside the known suspects high-income countries, Scandinavian, UK, uh, America, US, uh, Australia, and uh, countries where the physical activity evidence is congregated. We're trying to actively expand the evidence base, which comes, of course, with its challenges. So what we eventually want to do is to be able to synthesize many different studies, cohort studies of accelerometry, to understand health effects of unknown aspects of physical activity, and of course, our very core and very ultimate goal is to be able to influence future guidelines. So you see that the event today is not uh, it's it's not it's not an accident. Uh, core our core mission is about being able to influence and shape future guidelines, which will hopefully perhaps be based on device-based evidence. The geographical uh, spread of PROPAS cohorts follows that of the evidence of physical activity. As I said before, at this point in time, most cohorts, most studies are from uh, Europe, uh, US, uh, UK, uh, but we are working with ISPAH very, very closely to uh, be able to, uh, to change this. And we have a partnership which is uh, with ISPAH, a formal partnership, which is pretty much framed around this goal. The existing physical activity and central behavior recommendations, as uh, we all know, they're based primarily on questionnaire-based evidence. Now, this is limiting. This is limiting, and this is why it's important to have the discussions we will be having today. It's limiting because we know that questionnaires capture certain parts, certain aspects of physical activity, and they don't necessarily capture these aspects very, very well. For example, I'll give you a couple of examples. So. Imagine that we have here a participant. They've been asked through a questionnaire to report how much exercise they did in the last week. And they said, I went to the gym for an hour last Saturday. So the researcher will record 60 minutes of vigorous, intensity physical activity because the participant said, I did CrossFit for 60 minutes. Now, if the same participant was wearing an accelerometer, the accelerometer would give us a completely different picture because the accelerometer would pick up the bouts of vigorous intensity activity, as well as the bouts of moderate, as well as the bouts of standing, checking the phone, drinking water, listening to music, checking the email, and all these other things. So it could be that the accelerometer would give us something along the lines of 20 minutes of vigorous intensity, and then uh, various other components, intensities, standing, sitting, uh, other parts of the 
physical behavior distribution. So potentially a very large discrepancy between the two methods. And if we are to look at this kind of comparison, if we are to flip this kind of comparison and see what uh, aspects of physical activity the, the, the questioners could potentially miss. So we saw an example of the, the questioners largely overestimating an aspect of physical activity. Imagine a participant, a research participant here, they don't do any exercise at all, but they do quite a bit of vigorous intense activity during the daily living. The accelerometer very likely would pick up whatever they do. Uh, so let's say 10 minutes for the sake of example here of vigorous intensity physical activity through very short bursts of one minute, 30 seconds here and there across the day. On the other hand, the questioner would pick up nothing. Questioners cannot capture short bouts of any intensity, cannot capture incidental uh, activity of any intensity. So a fairly large discrepancy here as well. And you may argue, 10 minutes, does it really matter? Uh, it does matter. It seems to be mattering a lot. And uh, these are some very fresh, very uh, new results. We published this study, our uh, postdoc Matthew Ahmadi led this study, where the, one of the headlines results, this is UK Biobank, this is not ProPass research uh, per se yet, two bouts of uh, vigorous intensity physical activity, up to two minutes each bout was associated with 35% lower CVD mortality risk very large effect size, considering the very small dosage of physical activity. So there would have been no way that any questionnaire could have produced these results, showed us this potential health benefit of vigorous intensity physical activity. Before I go, I and before I introduce the next speaker, I would like to again highlight the very, very important role of our uh, ECRs within um, Propass, a um, couple of them have a presentation later in this session. I would like to thank my colleagues at the Propass Working Group and my colleagues at the uh, Strategic Leadership Group. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes. So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.